0: You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome to the show. This is Eli Steenledge and with me is... Jeremy Holliday. And on this episode, we are doing Now Playing in Our Homes. Yes, indeed. So what we've been uh, watching lately. And uh, so we're going to be throwing out a few different things that we recommend or we've just been watching and have some opinions on lately. One of the first things that I wanted to start with and uh, maybe get your opinion on it too, Jeremy, because mm-hmm. this has been, like, a unique phenomenon happening for me lately. Yep. I knew the third season of The Leftovers was going to be starting soon, mm-hmm. so we decided to subscribe to HBO specifically to be able to watch the show. Mm-hmm. And it was only eight episodes, but it came out weekly, and so this was something that's been a little bit new for my wife and I.
1: So, did they come game. out, like on regular tv and internet at the same time yeah
0: yeah i mean essentially it's like it was on the regular like sunday night new show schedule mm-hmm. but it would show up at say 8 p.m streaming because okay didn't have, yeah on that night so we would still watch it because we wanted to see it as soon as possible but it was weekly so it was i think for the last at least two or three years, we've probably only been watching streaming shows, like, after the fact. Yeah. Um, so not on a weekly basis to be able to watch them every time. So it's mainly been, like, binging. You know, we're used to having, you know, the whole season mm-hmm. available to us. We can just watch through Did you They to watch
1: another before bed. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird experience to have to wait for
1: that. And then, as you know, back in the day, Eli, people used to have would, to live yeah. this way. Yeah. I can't. And then at the end of the season, that. like, they'd be hanging on a cliff and you wouldn't know what
0: happens until all summer long. All to summer wait. long. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So the other, as The Leftovers was ending, they crossed over a little bit, but the new Twin Peaks series started. And which, by the way, we will be releasing another episode, mid-season episode with dis- uh, discussion with Ben Grisanti again. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, so that watch out for that one. That's going to be coming is out. He, is it about Twin Peaks? About Twin Peaks, yeah. We're doing kind of a mid-season evaluation of what's going on. So, because uh, there's a lot that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but that show is also happening weekly all throughout the summer. So it's been this kind of like crazy cool experience of going back to... As you were saying, how it was in our, in our youth, our younger days when we actually had to wait for things that weren't online.
1: Well, I have a question about yeah. that, Eli. So, I mean, when, um, it, do you think it, I mean, is HBO doing something different? Because I, I remember, like, when, when my wife and I were watching like uh, Orange is the New Black. Uh-huh. Right? We wait, and then the whole season comes out. Yeah. We can watch it whenever we want. Right. Um, but so, like, is, is HBO. HBO's mm-hmm. not doing anything
0: different than they have been. It's just that now you have the streaming capability with the apps. So it's like you can watch it on the same day, but through the app, but it's not released all at once. Okay. As far as I know, they haven't done that with any of their series. Okay. Um, So they're kind of sticking to an older model, which uh, Twin Peaks is on Showtime, which they're also doing a similar model. Mm -hmm. Um, So it shows up at that time. They did do something unique that they released the first four episodes all at once. And then after that, it was weekly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So uh, so that was a little bit different. So it's kind of like you could binge the beginning, and then you kind of had to go weekly after that to kind of get you hooked. Which actually kind of had the reverse effect, because they took a break
1: mm-hmm. after the
0: first couple episodes. So it actually made it harder, because it was like, you have all these episodes, okay, now you got to wait two weeks to get more episodes. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like the reverse, I think. We could talk more about that, but I think also... That show took so long in those first episodes to kind of reveal where it was going, mm-hmm. so it might have been more of a factor of, hey, if we release this really cryptic, weird first episode, people are going to be not maybe into the show until they get some more to understand what's happening. Maybe so I mean, but it's possible. Showtime. It is, that Showtime was it is like, Twin
1: Peaks. It is Twin Peaks. It is David Lynch. Yeah. Like I don't think. I mean, I, who knows? I mean, maybe yeah. there are people out there that sort of stumble upon. <laughs> This, but I, I don't think yeah i and I'd be interested to hear of the they're, they're like the un what are the um like the undecided voters yeah. you know like they're it's hard for me to believe they exist yeah. um but it, if there's somebody who stumbles into mm-hmm. Twin Peaks round two yeah. I'd be interested to hear what they have to say about what they see yeah and and I don't think I'm the first
0: one to talk about this but I think it's been for my wife and I a really enjoyable experience. So I was all about, you know, Netflix early on and being able to binge watch these shows. Like you said, some of the first Netflix shows, you had them all at once. But we've been enjoying that you get one episode, you have a week to kind of digest it. And especially these particular shows, The Leftovers and Twin Peaks, it is something definitely you have to like take time to kind of like think through and digest. And so I think it's been great to have like that time to have a conversation Throughout the week until the next episode. Speaking of, you know, podcasts like this, I've been listening to podcasts on these shows by other people, and so it's it feels like you're in on this conversation. And yeah. I talk to people, you know, at work or whatever who might be watching it, and we can kind of um, speculate about what's coming. So I've really been enjoying it. I wouldn't say that I want all my shows to be this way. And maybe these, like I said, have lend themselves to that, but uh, it's something that hit me unexpectedly, you know. And like, you unexpectedly enjoyed it. And I especially enjoyed it, yeah, because I, I was I, used to. It. I, was just I like, want just it give them to me all at once, yeah. Just but give them. I'm yeah. happy to wait some. Right. So I think that forced break in the episodes has been really, really enjoyable, um, and uh, I'm hoping to do a fuller episode at some point on the leftovers, but I. Did want to just mention, just the wrap up of that series, and I think I could probably, pretty honestly, say maybe my favorite TV series of all time. Mm. So just, just like the depth of it, the the emotion, the the mystery of it, but handled in a way that I'm not left uh, unsatisfied about the mi- mysteries or anything like that. I don't know. It's just been a pretty like amazing experience to kind of go through that show and and sort of cathartic in some ways to like process it and think through Mm -hmm. it and that show has always kind of done the unexpected like the story kind of goes in unexpected directions and the characters do unexpected things and oddly enough you know the things that I thought they wouldn't go to in the last few episodes it sort of like went in a more conventional way but because the show normally doesn't do that um, so it kind of took a little shift in my thinking, but eventually I kind of liked it. So I don't want to give too much away because it does, it's 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 kind of very involved and in-depth, so mm. I can't say too much. But I know you and I have had conversations sort of along the line of, I mean, I think the, the show kind of deals with people's belief systems. Yeah. And sort of, or what they they believe about the world or the stories we tell about ourselves to make sense of the world. And we've kind of discussed, like, if somebody tells you this sort of, you know, not, like, supernatural, but this kind of amazing story or even, like, a religious experience, and you can't really, like, debate that very well, right? Right. You can't, I mean, you may not personally believe them, but you can't really, like, tell them that's false or untrue, you know, because it's a personal experience. Yeah, it's challenging. I mean,
1: particularly one of the things that I always... Got get all up in our arms about is when um folks on television, you know, mm-hmm. would say like that God told them something or that they right. know that they know the that something does. is part of God's plan. I mean mm-hmm. you know, one of my favorite targets is Pat Robertson of the Seven Hundred Club. I mean mm-hmm. I I grew up watching that <laughs> stuff. I grew up in that sort of world. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that happened a few years ago when there was a huge earthquake in Haiti, and mm-hmm. he sort of very famously said mm-hmm. you know, that it was because they had made a deal with the devil. Yeah. Uh, you can Google it. I'm not making yeah. this up. You know, and, it's like, and he knew because he had sort of insight from God that mm-hmm. this had happened. Um, and uh, there really is not a way to say, like, you're making it up. Yeah. Like I do not believe that God said those things to you. It's not really a mm-hmm. conversation you can have, right? Because it's like I, I, I know that that didn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. He claims that it happened it otherwise, yeah. and there doesn't seem to be any way in which uh, we can resolve that except right. to say that like he believes something differently than I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the show in the final episode presents this situation where both in the story world. The characters are having that experience of whether somebody kind of says this kind of crazy story about what's happened, and the characters are kind of left with, do you believe them or do you not? Like, what, or like, you know, does it matter to get past that sort of thing? And then the audience is also left with, you know, I think they intentionally said, like, half the audience is going to believe it and half might not. And it was just kind of this brilliant way of kind of ending the show because i think that's kind of like the whole story of the show of people trying to find meaning and like i said kind of the meaning they find and whether it's true or not does it help them and what's you know does it matter in the end whether you know so just exploring all those
1: ideas yeah. yeah Like when we talked about, when we reviewed uh, the Scorsese. Silence, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a way, like like from a philosophical point of view, I, I find it like interesting and meaningful and productive mm-hmm. when people have discussions about uh, what they make of the mystery of life. Like yeah. we're born, stuff happens, mm-hmm. we die. Right. Right. And it's, you know... <laughs> It's a, we have no idea why any of this mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people that, uh, you know, whose opinions philosophically, or religiously, yeah. you know, that I respect most sort mm-hmm. of recognize the vast mystery of things and, yeah. and choose not often to come up with like a big arcing or overarching neat little stories about where we came from or what mm-hmm. it means, but um, make meaning in the way that uh, the experiences of their life. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of very grounded in experience. I mean, there, I, I remember, you know, growing up in, in, in the Christian church that I grew up in. I yeah. mean, it was like a very like, woo, like there's God <laughs> and it's great and, and wonderful and stuff. And like my life wasn't that great. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't experience yeah, the world experience, yeah. as being awesome. So either your, either my experience is invalid or mm-hmm. you guys are not telling the truth. All the time. And, and and so, like, I often found that, you know, the tension between those two things, I ended up valuing my experience mm. um, over what other people told me was going on. Yeah. Um, and I found, you know, I find that people that I read, you know, are, are often sort of that way. And I, I, mm. I often really like reading artists like uh, Murakami or... um mm you know, people that write about writing, like Mm -hmm. I I like, you know, because there's a way in which we've experienced it some as filmmakers and writers. When you're trying to make art, Mm -hmm. you you like, you have to be very honest about like, is this good? Does this work? Am I communicating anything? There's no, you you sort of need to dispense with romanticism. of like, I will make the art. It's kind of like, oh, this is crap. So like, you know, this 70 pages goes in the trash (laughs) and and this entire movie goes in the trash. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I, I find that there's people's, Opinions about the world are mm-hmm. grounded in experience and and preserve a great deal of mystery, both mm-hmm. at the beginning and the end of the philosophy. Mm-hmm. I find it really satisfying and helpful. Yeah, because I don't think I mean there's there's the the drive to know and understand things. Yeah, and to be like you know especially like in so many films with like um, really powerful aliens, mm-hmm. we're like oh like and even like, Alien yeah. like this is where we came from. We have an answer. A guy poured a thing into a thing, and here we are. Yeah. and it's a super simple answer um and it just eliminates all of the mystery Mm -hmm. um and i just don't i just don't think that's Mm. i don't think we know all that stuff um and i think you know the the stories that we say to answer that are are like um i don't know the right term but like the the the, we think they're right because they satisfy that need for a simple answer right not because they actually reflect you know
0: yeah I mean the, the second season of the series introduced a new theme song, which is "Let the Mystery be," mm-hmm. which seemed like the, the sort of thesis statement the, uh, the show creators and writers yeah. were putting out there. I, I'll move on in a second, by the way, but uh, I think for me, in the show, that is a really fascinating way to explore this and was also probably uh, Damon Lindelof, uh, the main kind of writer and show writer who came off a loss of kind of telling the audience, like, hey, you're not going to know all the answers here. Just letting you know that up front. And so you just got to be okay with that. But I think, personally, I sort of have trouble with, like, not that I have to drive to know, like, facts, but, like, there has to be something more for me than just sort of, like, letting it be. So I think the show explores sort of people on all sides of that spectrum Mm -hmm. and, and what they do. So and it does a good job of not necessarily saying like a lot of these people are not religious Mm -hmm. so it's just like dealing with life and tragedy and trauma and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but yeah i uh my wife and i i would say for the last for the two weeks following the final episode would like have conversations like long conversations like every day about it um just like discovering and like pulling new things out of it and being like wait, this thing from season two? Remember that little thing? Like, that makes this character's experience later in the third season, like, so much more interesting and, like, uh, more rich. So it was just like, a pretty cool experience. Mm-hmm. So I recommend anybody catch up with that. It's not really well-watched. But, you know, if you get an HBO subscription, you can binge it, right? Yeah. No, you can watch as many. But maybe don't binge it. Um, so, yeah, that's my thoughts on watching things Weekly instead of binging, and that whole mm-hmm. debate. What do you got? What have you been
1: watching? Okay, so I realize that it's like a, I have like a, a Marvel binge, <laughs> binge binge, binging. um, because I the the things I most watched most watched most recently um, was uh, season one of Daredevil, mm-hmm. sort of Marvel the first sort of um, Marvel show that they did for Netflix. Yeah, um, and I also watched uh, season four Agents of, of Agents. Uh, season four of agents of shield mm-hmm. um mainly because i really liked the show and it just popped up <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh you know i just finished and actually i think i watched like the last couple episodes of daredevil and then went into it but and then read it, yeah. um well i guess what i have to say about daredevil is i mean uh, for those of you that watch the show um the first uh netflix marvel show that i watched was jessica jones which i thought was great mm-hmm. really it's don't great. have yeah. don't have much bad to say about it um I love the character of Luke Cage in it. I then went to watch the Luke Cage series. <laughs> I did not like it. Apparently, everybody else liked it a lot. Um, I thought that either it was a combination of the actors and the directors or something. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, um, the two main things I had with it were, there's so many of the of the acting just fell totally flat. Like, I, mm. I don't, I'm like, I didn't, <laughs> you look like an actor delivering a line in a, in a stage. I, right. I, I don't believe you're this person. Um, and uh, there's just some, you know, like, some big, like, writing holes in the thing that I just couldn't get back, I couldn't get over. I mean, the first episode is in a barbershop. They're talking about, like, you know, African-American writers and philosophy mm-hmm. and stuff. And I'm like, this is great. Um, you know, and like, you know, and Luke Cage is a black man in a hoodie who's bulletproof. Yeah. And at some point in the, like, the final episode, someone says, oh, man, like, a bulletproof black man. Like, that's amazing. I'm like, <laughs> that's great. That's the most interesting element of the show. And they don't explore any of it. Right. Um, and then there's like the bit with his brother, and it's like too biblical to be mm. work. And like, and again, it's I mean, I'm I'm not like yeah. an uber nerd, but like if somebody's bulletproof, there's a, the one of the most interesting lines in there is like the the, the female sort of civic sort of councilwoman's like, oh, like can he be shocked? Can he be drowned? You know, mm-hmm. maybe referencing Unbreakable, which is one of the best superhero movies of all time. <laughs> right. And like, oh, this is interesting. And the solution is like, no, we need some, we need the Judas bullet. You know, i don't even know why. I, I don't know if we learned about that from some other show but it's like clearly some sort of like metal from another planet you know about, yeah yeah and like a, a bigger bullet the bu- a bigger bullet for the That's bulletproof guy yeah. yeah sorry and like until rosario dawson gets in there we don't nothing interesting <laughs> Not happens um because luke cage has no one to play off of so but hmm. so i started with daredevil and uh, uh i thought it was really good you know, I was watching the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. I was going like the character. It seems authentic. It's well acted. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. We're easing into it. Um, you know, we, we're going along with our conflict and our bad guy. Yeah. Um, and it was then, so I think it's like episode nine, which is uh, called Speak of the Devil, mm-hmm. where it's like there's, it's a, interestingly shot. So it, the, the first shot is sort of like 75% through the show. He's fighting with this oh. Japanese guy. Mm-hmm. So like, we then, then flashback. Um, it's also the first time that he um, we see a lot of flashbacks to him and Foggy when they're in college. There's a lot of like really interesting stuff hmm. um, in the way it's shot and the structure of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like one of those things. It's only it's only an hour or 40, 44 minutes or whatever, right. but it feels like several hours worth of yeah. information. Mm-hmm. And it was like and and like it was interesting too because like our our protagonist we're going to expose the main character. This the mm-hmm. main bad guy Fisk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he sort of, I don't know if he found out about it, but he, likes, he like comes out publicly and sort of essentially says the same stuff they were going to say about him. Yeah. And it was like totally interesting because I thought they were, hmm. that's how they were going to work the show. And the conflict changes. You know, yeah. like there's this moving target of a bad guy mm-hmm. um, and becomes, and I was like, oh, they like, they did, they're they actually going <laughs> to cram more in here. I mean, yeah. it was like when I was watching Iron Man and it's like, oh my gosh, like it's 40 minutes into this thing and like he just escaped from prison. Like there's right. a whole other this movie like, coming. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, and I'm not entirely sure cause they co- they totally could have coasted with what they had up to like episode seven or so. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that they dumped like a little extra helping of quality yeah. in there. I mean, the way I envision things happening at, you know, Disney Marvel is, you know, <laughs> they have like, they, they have like, they've, um, you know, like tested and have some sense mm-hmm. of what are like some of the best stories and, right. and elements and whatnot. The and teams. they, they dole them out and they'll be doling <laughs> them out over time. Um, and so there, I think they, you know, because it was probably the first one, they really, mm. they really um, put some quality, some quality into it. And so the second, the second, go. yeah, the second half of the season is much, much, much better. Mm. At some point though, um, which is, the first part is fine, yeah. but it gets like it, it gets like a plus one. I think um, I,
0: I did only make it halfway through the series, and not for any particular reason did I stop because it was bad, but maybe. From my own experience, maybe moving on to other things, said something. Yeah. But,
1: um, I mean, I yeah, I, I, made I, did, it, I didn't
0: dislike it. That's
1: people it. were like, it's good. And I'm like, why yeah. is it good? Um, and so, I mean, th- there were a couple of things that I, I had to point out that I didn't like. I, I don't know Rosario Dawson personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, she seems a great actress. She shows up <laughs> in these Marvel shows. Yeah. Like, the first time we see her in the show, there's like a, a lot of gratuitous. Cleavage mm. in the shot, and I'm like, come on, like, yeah. do we, you know, like, I understand it's a comic book, but mm-hmm. like, you can show her as pretty and attractive without, like, like, I mean, like, yeah. I someone must have sat there and, like, asked her to lean over and did the, <laughs> it was like, I'm like, please, yeah, it's like, don't do insult my intelligence, like, yeah. she's like, she's we, a
0: strong character otherwise, yeah, and, and, and yeah. she's,
1: she's like the best actor yeah. in this show, just like she's the best actor <laughs> in Luke Cage, right? Um, and I mean, the character who plays, um, Matt in Daredevil mm-hmm. is good mm-hmm. like I think you know he he so puts good. in a good performance Rosario Dawson just like she seems like the um the adult in the room you know mm-hmm. like the most yeah. seasoned yeah. um uh, actor that's there
0: what do you um, think of Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin because I've heard some people uh, didn't love his performance but do you think it's, it's okay
1: um <sighs> so
0: <laughs> I'm taking you off topic no no it's fine
1: um well
0: tell me what you I mean some of it I think not necessarily why I stopped watching the show but it it really took a while to get to him Mm -hmm. and I think that was sort of like drawing it out too much for me Um, I mean I think it was interesting because I think what I've seen so far he has not been portrayed as that bad of a villain he's kind of romancing this art dealer and stuff like that Um, but it was a unique performance don't know for him.
1: I think okay. Yeah. So I mean, you, you got to watch more on the show. Yeah. Um, Cause they're. I mean. So I know you like James Bond, right? And yeah. James Bond has like some very standard tropes and everything, particularly mm-hmm. like your Casino Royale, which I know that you like. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like it. There's it. There's a really strong formula to it, and yeah. strong structure, and strong archetype. Right. Um. I don't like. I'm the Wilson Fisk in the show is not. <laughs> I don't like him very much. Mm. I don't think he's a particularly uh, convincing bad guy. Yeah. Um He's just kind of, like, mad, and he punches people, mm-hmm. and he's erratic. Yeah. And there's at one point where, like, you know, Daredevil is fighting him, and he's, and, and like, and so we learn about, like, you know, Wilson Fisk's dad, and apparently, like, he killed him when he was a kid with a right. hammer, and it was, like, this big thing. Yeah. And so it's, like... You know, the, like, feminist scholar in me is, like, two, like, adult men, children with daddy issues smash each other across a city. (laughs) Right? Um, I just, he didn't seem, and he's like, I'm going to save this city. Which, Mm -hmm. it just sounds like characters in Arrow, which is, it's not a good show. It is fun. Yeah. um, But it's, like, you gotta, it's, it's said so many times that it has almost no meaning. Um, and, like, there's a final showdown, you know, between Daredevil and the Big Bad, and it's not, it's like okay. The choreography is okay. Um, but, like, if Daredevil is so awesome, mm-hmm. and, you know, the bad guy is just human, yeah. like, it doesn't, he should have just beat him up earlier. Because in yeah. the way he, like, dodges bullets, I don't know. There's some element of the action that's like, oh, this is when the writers decide that he wins. (laughs) And he does. That's the reason why. Um, Yeah. Uh, Again, like, what I think is interesting about Daredevil is the interplay of Foggy and Matt. um, Mm -hmm. And there's a a newspaper person, um, Ben Urich, who's in there, who plays... um, Captain Prince in uh, Romeo and Juliet mm. Romeo plus Juliet great character great, oh, great actor I didn't remember that That's okay. yeah. he's got more salt and pepper in his beard now but, um, and so the interplay of those characters you know mm-hmm. it's like if you will in the in the parlance of um, uh, Buffy it's about like the Scoobies about like the team Yeah. and those people are interesting and mm-hmm. there's also like subplots about uh, there's this one tenant um, that they're trying to save her Uh, in this rent control place she's getting moved out there's like stuff between the bad guys Mm -hmm. in terms of and that's interesting like the conflict between the bad guys and the good guys Mm -hmm. is not at all interesting and I and the bad guy is like a horrible a horrible stereotype one of the most interesting guys um, I mean two there's two interesting bad guy characters uh, Madame Gao Mm -hmm. who like maybe she has magical powers maybe she's inhuman I don't know Mm -hmm. she's cool she speaks Mm -hmm. a billion languages um, and then, like, the accountant guy who, like, um, tries to sort of screw things over with his, like, you know, I'm just an accountant sort of yeah. thing. He's an interesting character. Um, but, yeah, I can't... It's a, So, that's, like, uh, we have... I mean, I haven't watched Iron Fist yet, but w- between yeah. Jessica Jones, um, Luke Cage, and Daredevil in the first season. Like, um, Kilgrave is one of the best villains mm-hmm. that they have, have produced. Right. That, that I have seen walking around in a television screen <laughs> um, and so they haven't done a great job with that mm. and i would in but yeah there's no no there's no i don't think i can ever get around that i hope that i hope in the second season there's somebody better yeah i hope that they eventually I get heard some the better ones. is good yeah He's i mean that, that's what people yeah. say uh, um but I mean,
0: uh, go ahead i do think that uh, it's interesting that with their sort of marvel series yeah um starting with daredevil they went in this really dark direction i mean the show is really gritty like yeah. actually darkly shot it's very dark yeah yeah lighting um pretty serious so i think that was a bold move and i think it's paying off i mean jessica jones is maybe not like visually as gritty and stuff but it is very dark themes yeah. um that goes even probably darker than daredevil yeah so i think that was pretty bold of of marvel to do that um I mean, I think those both of those shows are much darker than any of the Marvel films, for sure. Oh, certainly, yeah. Which are trying to yeah. reach a broader audience, but, yeah. um, but I think it's cool that they were willing to, to do that.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, and I think, you know, we're setting up for The Defenders, which right. is, like, putting all these guys together. Yeah. I mean, I just... Um, so one of the one of the when i was in the realm of superheroes um, i used to watch batman the animated series every day mm-hmm. when i got home from school yeah, um it's great there's a number of like the voice acting is great mm-hmm. um uh, danny elfman's music sets a wonderful tone mm-hmm. um the animation is is old semi-rotoscope style a la, yeah. you know don bluth which is like my favorite style i like the way that the shading goes um and it, and it was like the characters were the bad guys were evil mm-hmm. you know not super dark yeah but twisted in mm-hmm. a way that was really interesting for mm-hmm. me um, as a kid. And also things, you know, even if there's like, there would be some themes that stretched across a couple episodes, yeah. but it was usually it was kind of wrapped up, which, you know, is not in um, any, any way unique. But <laughs> it, they had to sort of uh, delve deep quickly. Yeah. Like, like some Penguin scheme had to be like pretty nefarious mm-hmm. because we needed to resolve it in 22 minutes. But there's one episode... Never found out what it's called, but it's like, it's just, he's, Batman's walking along, and I mean, as Bruce Wayne, and he's like, I gotta, I gotta keep an appointment, Mm. you know, and he, and there's like some, I think some crime going on or something, and Robin's taking care of it. And he goes and he visits this old woman, Mm -hmm. um, and like talks with her, um, and chats with her about various things, and it tells stories, and it's primarily just sort of like about flashbacks of when he was, Hmm. um, at, you know, previous points in his life. Yeah. Um, and it's like, uh, it was one of my favorite episodes uh-huh. um, because it's like this—it's a series of small stories about mm. our main character, yeah. you know, about having like a a real relationship mm-hmm. with someone. Yeah. Um, and it's like a, in in Firefly, I think Out of Gas is probably my favorite episode. Okay. It's a flashback. It's a you mm-hmm. know like the the structure is that like Malcolm gets shot and he's about to die, you know, mm-hmm. and running out of power. Um, but if we flash back to where we meet mm-hmm. all of the characters and how they sort of join the team, and it's like, um, it, it's like a, a nice little pause in yeah. in the middle of, of action mm-hmm. um, to just have our characters sit and explore things, right? Um, you know, and in watching Batman the animated series, it made it made this Bruce Wayne Batman character feel real, mm-hmm. you know, because it put like, you know, it just simply put like saving the world on par with like <laughs> going to visit, you know, your aunt, right? You know, because and, and those are and that's something that. I think the Spider Man is like that's what Spider Man's about. Mm. They never, I don't think, ever do it very well in the movies movies. because it's like because I I mean I. So yes, I'll just condemn seven films or whatever. (laughs) Um, But there's some quiet moments, yeah. Yeah, but I guess yeah, those quiet moments. I think what I like sort of most because it has Mm. to, especially in, um, in in like a a big structure like action. Like Mm -hmm. we need a moment to just yeah hang out like in Rocky. (laughs) <laughs> like him with his turtle right it's what i love about the yeah. first rocky film um he he has his pet turtle he takes care of it you know mm-hmm. anyway so yeah in watching like the marvel movies like the avengers the captain america stuff like i like it um but and maybe it's because like the there's such a time constraint such a larger mm-hmm. time constraint for the film mm-hmm. you know i mean you think about like compare you know like agents of shield which have plenty of like 20 hours worth of stuff versus, you know, like, you know, a 90-minute film. Um, There's just no time um, in those films for, like, quiet moments. Right. Or, like, you know, for us to, like, um, you know, have a sense of what our characters are doing or how they are as people. Yeah. And so there's, you know, um, I, you know, I think, you know, because Joss Whedon talked about it, which I, you know, he's a friend of mine. Sure. Yeah, you guys are chatting. Yeah, we're chatting. Yeah. We're chatting about yeah. it. Um, but, I mean, he, he's talked sort of extensively, and I've talked uh, here, too, about um, how he sort of sees uh, films as sort of the masculine, like, just get the job done. Mm-hmm. You know, and television, the feminine, we have a lot more time to, like, have something happen and then spend yeah. a lot of time talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, it, it's hard for me to imagine um, a Marvel film that mm-hmm. is ever really going to satisfy me the way, like, Jessica Jones does. Yeah. Um, or even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, there just it literally isn't enough canvas I think yeah. to do all that stuff um, so and I know that they you know that in a sense these shows are building up towards something mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think that something will ever be as good as these build up things yeah. like I doubt in the next five years I'm going to watch something that right. is as interesting as um, Jessica Jones like yeah. I, I, I like, it's possible they could mm-hmm. write that screenplay it would take a lot of people a lot of time to be do a lot of creative things um, but so I guess you know I I, I, I just think that there um, is in, a, a, in the television version of it, gritty as it is, um, a much more time for the quiet moments that I think make our characters interesting. Yeah. Than
0: in films. I mean, I've been struggling with that in our own sort of filmmaking. Yeah. That you know, thinking of a new idea that I have, and then finishing something like the leftovers, where I'm like, man, I became so invested in these characters and their history and like their relationships to each other. But that was over three seasons. Like, how do I do that in a movie? You know, like in an hour and a half. And Mm -hmm. I know it must be able to happen to some degree because I know there's movies that I've connected with in a really deep way to these characters. But it is interesting in what people are calling the golden age of television. But like that, um, I think in some ways I have become more invested in those kind of long form storytelling. I don't know that that's something I'll be able to do myself. Anytime soon that yeah, somebody's yeah. not mean, giving me a movie deal compared to a TV deal, right. but like, it it's it's hard to I
1: mean kind of go to that. Yeah, one of the things I think about that though is like like my investment or like our investment in Star Wars. Like mm-hmm. we've seen Star Wars and those films so many times. Yeah, like every you know, like every month in the summer. I would mm-hmm. watch the trilogy right. like back to back. Right. So like I spent many many hours watching the <laughs> the, the same film, yeah. but like I spent yeah. a lot of time with those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think you know a good film that connects you to characters does that. And you're like, That's you, true. Know, you know, it's about the you know the power converters at Tashi Station. <laughs> right. you know, it's the about little all details, the, all those yeah. other moments, yeah. um, that sort of make it. That's true. So that yeah, there's a long bit about. Um, Daredevil. I, I like at this point. I, I think it's worth watching. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not as good as Jessica Jones. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of they spend a lot of time. Like, like the casting is pretty good. Mm-hmm. They spend a lot of time with those characters. And I like mm-hmm. the way they interact. Yeah. Um, and there's like you know the, the the big bad does some like despicable things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that there's a structure where he kind of gets away with it all because he like pays the cops and all the cops are dirty or maybe oh, the yeah. cops are dirty. I think I got that. Um, but it's also like. Can he really just kill that guy? I mean, is this because like that's not the world that I live in, and I'm you know like I, right. I like I, I don't believe that that happens a whole lot in like big cities or anywhere. Um, so it's it it really stretches my suspension. I'm like, oh, it's crazy. He just killed that like newspaper guy. And I'm like, yeah, but this is some weirdo fantasy <laughs> world where that happens. So they, they they do they do lose me with him. I I can't really defend him. But so how about you, Eli? Um, well, I, by the way, I was just checking how far
0: along I was in Daredevil because yeah. it's been at least a year and I was on episode 10, so I really don't have any excuse not to finish that, by the way. Well, I mean, what,
1: I haven't watched The Leftovers and, like, you talked about <laughs> nothing else but how great it is since how we started it. doing this podcast. Uh, speaking of Netflix,
0: I wanted to talk about a couple episodes, or a couple of things yeah. recently that sh- showed up on there. One is Okja, which yeah. is the Banju Ho film. And I don't know if you've seen Snowpiercer.
1: No, uh, I his know. last
0: film was really interesting, uh, and and then previously he made things like The Host, um, which is a good mm. kind of creature film. And I think what he always brings to his movies is like a good sense of, again, like the characters are great and in their interactions with each other. So it's kind of these like fantastic things happening, but you're so drawn to the characters and how real to life they seem. That that you get really invested in the weird parts of it too, so Okja is kind of came to Netflix in a really unique way I think. Um, So essentially it is like a Korean film, but it does have more of an international cast, Mm -hmm. um, some Westerners. It's really interesting, but I think another. So basically it's about like these super pigs that are genetically uh enhanced to be like the perfect sort of food product in america so it's this corporation the every part of these super pigs is made to you know whatever piece of the pig that you eat is supposed to take taste wonderful and you know other parts of the world they will eat you know whatever is kind of how they they set it up in the film so uh and the one, uh, the original animals are raised by these farmers and they're kind of doing this contest, which is more of a publicity stunt to see who, like, where is it raised in the world and what is the, the best way that it's raised to have these, um, the animals grow to the best. And so this, this young girl and her grandfather uh, um, adopts one of these pigs, they choose him and uh, his granddaughter like lives with it basically and becomes like her pet. So basically the movie is about her when they come to retrieve the super pig and basically to, you know, have it processed and eaten at some point. Um, But it's like her pet, so she has to stop. Uh, But I think the... So it's definitely a commentary on, like, big corporations Mm -hmm. and how they just kind of, like, do things to, you know, for money, basically. And they, you know, chew up whoever's in the path of that, you know. Um, to make money and have this great product or not a great product, but what people think is a great product. Yeah. Um, And I think it's, it's funny that in some ways, you know, this comes from Netflix who is using this sort of algorithmic process to figure out what people want to see. And they're sort of just like spitting these things out. I think especially this last year or so I've just seen like every week there's something new Netflix Um, whether it's shows that they've uh, acquired from other sources or other countries or the uh, things that they've produced originally. But I think it's this weird combination of things that Netflix financed this film, which is kind of commenting on the exact thing that they're sort of doing. Um, And I think we've started to see varying qualities in what they're sort of spitting out. Some of it's great, some of it's not so good. And they're just kind of throwing it out there. But I think that's kind of some meta-commentary we can see in it. But overall, I think what I realized watching it is that it's maybe the first feature film from Netflix that feels like a real event. This is Mm -hmm. like a competitor of a big film studio. It's got lots of... It's got like a CGI creature in it, you know? And Mm -hmm. like some points it's got like hundreds of CGI characters. And uh, I like totally believed that special effect the whole time was done really well. Um it felt like it should be watched in a big screen, which is also kind of a contradictory thing and the director has said like that's how he meant it to be seen even though it's released on Netflix. So, I don't know. I think in the very end of the film my only complaint was it kind of like goes out a little too softly. Um I wouldn't say I don't like the ending, but I was expecting a little bit more from the earlier parts of it. And but there's some great little moments in it i think banju ho is like just brilliant at like editing and timing Mm. and when there are action moments like it's so precise and you know he's just like one of those directors that's playing you you know he Mm -hmm. knows exactly how he's working you with the editing and the emotions paul dano is in it and he's like an animal rights activist and he's really like compassionate and things like that um Hmm. Which is is oddly, uh, you know, emotional, and and you do really like feel for him um, in the end. So I think he was a great character. Um, Tilda Swinton's in it. Yeah. Who was in Snowpiercer, and she's she's always great and interesting. She's the head of the corporation. Um, the one actor in it that I'm not still totally sure about, but uh, Jake Gyllenhaal plays this like sort of crocodile hunter the tv host type character but goofier and i kind of i enjoyed his character for the most part he kind of uses this like high-pitched voice sometimes that's really silly and like always wears like shorts because he's like you know a safari guy and like with his socks pulled up so he's almost like a cartoon character Mm -hmm. in the way that he he acts but i started to think about like the way because it's a very multinational film yeah. so like when it's in korea they speak korean and then when they bring in these like western characters because the corporation is american and they speak english and there's like scenes of like translating between somebody translating and there's even like a joke about like things kind of getting lost in translation it's kind of becomes like a big point of it mm-hmm And um, so I think he's also commenting on, you know, in America, we expect everything to be sort of English and not, you know, not with subtitles. We Mm -hmm. don't want to watch that. Uh, But in the rest of the world, that's normal. And so I think he's kind of commenting on how the Western world kind of sees that. Um, But I was thinking about how when in America we put like Asian actors in movies, and I think they almost sometimes come across as more like comical or yeah. a little bit sillier, you know, they don't really give them, like, meteor roles, um, so I thought, viewed that way, like, maybe it was something, like, Jake Hall was kind of, like, the goofy American, we're gonna give him the goofy role, where you just kind of, like, laugh, and you're kind of, like, what is he doing, mm-hmm. like, this, he's better than this, you know, like, and I don't know if that's really what was happening, or they gave Jake Gyllenhaal a lot of freedom and he's like, I'm gonna do this funny voice and act kind of silly. So, But I, I overall enjoyed like what he was attempting to do and thought it was an entertaining part of the film. He's a pretty small role. But yeah, I think there's some really cool moments. Um, the little girl does a great job. She's not like the normal like cutesy little girl. She's tough. They don't always make her look, you know, perfect or anything like that she's just like has a goal and kind of gets it done it's pretty tough so uh i would highly recommend it it's a it's a pretty fun movie the other thing i was going to talk about is castlevania so this kind of i remember i'd seen a trailer but i forgot that it was coming out Mm -hmm. yeah so so recently just kind of like showed up all of a sudden and so i had seen somebody post online that they had already like watched it and they were like it's only four episodes so i was like oh great i'll check it out uh, I would say the first two, the first episode is great. The second episode is a little bit slower, but bad slow. It kind of was starting to lose me, and then the third and fourth episode, I stuck it out and I started to kind of realize it was good. It was building character and backstory that second episode, which paid off in the third and fourth. And the third and fourth hit some good action because it's animated, so. I was kind of waiting for the action to kind of kick in. But yeah, I think it was definitely with only four episodes was kind of establishing the bigger story to come. So I hope they release something more soon. It's not like a whole year wait, um, but we get like the quick like Voltron seasons that seem to be coming out really fast. Uh, but definitely not a kid's show. Yeah, no, um, it, it, it did not look in any way like a kid's it's show. It's pretty, yeah it's pretty intense and by the way okja i watched like a third of it just because of my life i had to pause and then like finish it later and so i started to like when i paused i was like oh maybe i should be watching this with my kids because this is like kind of feels like a you know spielberg type kids on bikes yeah aliens, E.T., like yeah like thing like this girl protecting her creature and it's gonna Web. Be, yeah and then um, they have been like, oh, this is not for kids. Like, it starts to be some pretty heavy swearing. There's some viol- strong violence against animals that would disturb my kids. So I'm glad I didn't jump into that. But I'm sort of like, I don't, you know, think that that film shouldn't have had those things. to be So that kids yeah, yeah, could yeah, watch yeah. it. But I kind of wish, yeah. like, the other parts my kids would enjoy. Certain elements of it, and some parts are pretty fun. So, yeah. anyways, I think those are some great new picks on Netflix. Yeah, I
1: mean, I haven't watched Castlevania, but the sort of the the structure—I mean, the gestalt of it reminded me of uh, Vampire Hunter D. Have you ever yeah, seen it? Yeah, like you vampire know, vampire I mean, like, I mean, it's a vampire,
0: swords. I don't you know. Um, this the style of the animation, which I don't think is necessarily strictly Japanese. Mhm. Look, maybe it's kind of a co-production or something, but uh the style definitely reminded me of Vampire energy D. Yeah.
1: So the other thing that I watched as I mentioned earlier was Marvel's Agents of Agents of Shield season 4. Yes. I don't know if any of our viewing audience watched it on television, but um it was interesting for me to watch it for a number of reasons. One, season 3 ended with this like super galactic Bad guy come back to life. Ward second thing. <laughs> Big mess. You know, and like they stretched it out for a while. Yeah. And you know, I thought that they were about done. Mm-hmm. You know, when season four popped up, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I like these characters. Yeah. Let me check it out. And like from the very first episode, I was like, whoa! Like they they started writing again. <laughs> like there's, you <laughs> know, it, it's super interesting and it it's it absolutely. You know, Whedon esque all the way through. I mean, I don't know if he's more involved, or his brother's more involved, or mm-hmm. they were just sort of doing things in the style of. But it is like f- more Whedon-y than mm. probably any of the other uh, seasons. Yeah. Um. And it's also like, I mean, it's fine. I what I want to say is that like it was very political. Hmm. In that, like it, you know, there's a very prominent use of the phrase nonetheless. She persisted in there. Mm. Um, they use alternative facts. They use fake news. Hmm. Um, there, there's, and like, I mean, I, I, for those of you that haven't watched, or those of you that have, I, some people may be turned off by it for this thing. And it's like, um, it's like a kitchen, it's like, it's like the kitchen (laughs) sink approach to writing a show. I mean, there's like, um, there's no time travel, but Mm. there are androids, there are demons, um, there is an alternate universe, (laughs) there is the matrix. I mean, it is like... Everything. Yeah. People come back from the dead. Um, you know, it, it's like nearly every of the st- standard sci-fi trope is yeah. just crammed Fair into enough. this series. And it got, it got all kinds of archetypes in there. Um, and I just, I thought it was a rip-roaring, fun time. Mm. Um, and so the reason why I, I hesitate about saying political is it's hard for me to say that because it's like it's a it's a corporate show. It's mm-hmm. on ABC, right? Um, you know, and like one of the things that I like, Aaron Sorkin is is a, a masterful writer. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I just wonder like how many of us, you know, like liberals were like placated into some sort <laughs> of like coma by The West Wing during the Bush years, when right. maybe we could have been out changing, changing things. things yeah. Like how much how how much like, did that reduce the amount of activism in the country? Yeah, because we're like because we have at that point a president that many folks didn't like you know mm-hmm. and we had um one of the best television, the television presidents president. of <laughs> yeah. all time right with like the coolest staff i mean it was like <laughs> is it this you know again my brother first them as like the, the liberal pipe dream you know yeah this yeah, is yeah. totally utopia like yeah um and so i wonder then you know in in the case of agents of shield is it just mm-hmm. like you know like they know that i want to hear that so they put it in there <laughs> um you know it's also like um, like uh, V for Vendetta has a really strong you know both Political, the, the yeah. book itself has a very strong uh, message and in the book like she blows up the House of Parliament like mm-hmm. um, Guy Fox did yeah with a giant chain of explosives <laughs> a giant train of explosives in, in the movie version um, they like it's like a, a mass movement of people that put on Guy Fox masks and do it mm-hmm. a very different method of doing things one is much more extreme one is much more this like people are gonna rise up right and in, in Agents of Shield season four, like there's a there's a revolution in the matrix, which is called the framework. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and you know people are rising up, and that's mm. that's like this motivating to political action. Yeah. And I wonder, like, both in V for Vendetta and in you know. Agents of Shield season four. Mm-hmm. Um, it it like feels good that they're doing that. Yeah. In the same way that like in the third Batman movie, like they don't blow up the the other. Uh, tr- you know, the, the Joker rigs it oh, up yeah. so there are two transport two ferries of people. Right. And they, they don't blow each other up. Mm-hmm. And there's this amazing like, oh my god, like people are actually decent. Yeah. Um. And I and like it's I wonder you know like the part of me that's an activist like does that does that motivate people to do more hmm. or does that like motivate us to do less because we feel it it satisfies us. We feel like something is done. Yeah, You know, it doesn't leave us empty and unsatisfied and motivated. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's one of the things like if we, you know, I'm just throwing stuff out here. Like if we go back to an inconvenient truth, Mm. you know, like it it, it leaves you like very despondent at the end of it. Mm. And then there's like that cool little bit which people copied for years about all these different things you can do. Yeah. And as exciting as that is and as innovative as Mm -hmm. that was, I wonder... If in the long term that's a good thing, like I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that there's some there are just some moments um, in people's lives, whether it's watching a film or experiencing something, that like become crystallized moments that motivate your action for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, like here in town, we had this Madison, Wisconsin, where we're broadcasting from. There was, you know, a young man named you know Terrell Robinson who was shot by a police officer like uh, Mm -hmm. over a year and a half ago, Um, like. Eli and went Eli and I went to a film to see like uh, it was about that incident Documented there it, yeah. there was like dash cam footage mm-hmm. like it seems absolutely obvious that the officer at, at, at the very least did something very bad right. you know very you know decision, and, and yeah. pretty clearly like murdered somebody and it's just like a few weeks ago he was acquitted mm-hmm. um, uh, and so like you know I mean like I'm never like I'm never gonna forget like that's I'm never gonna forget this whole thing like it, right. it, it, it's like a, a moment or an event that happened mm-hmm. you know here mm-hmm. you know not to me but I'm like you know and and I think incidents like this happen to people all over the place that's, that's what stuff in Ferguson is. what places right. a, a lot of stuff is about right. about like these sort of concrete moments mm-hmm. you know that sort of change you know, that help you establish a truth help you change how things are and the and watching Agent you know Agents of Shield season four. I, I was also struck by this thing which i, I felt was not just silly mm-hmm. or I mean th- that was like not um put there just to entertain me mm-hmm. that like the 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 political situation that we're in mm-hmm. um, which it, you know just very clearly like uh, I don't know like the president <laughs> uh, tweets insults at people um and is seemingly yeah, yeah. making things up I'm sorry if they're just who yeah. listen to our podcast um uh. You know, like, that yeah. the, the show, because it sort of spent so much of its time in these different allegorical levels of mm-hmm. truth mm-hmm. Um, and about control, it was, like, making it, like, a, a very profound moment. I'm like, mm. oh, like, I'm not the only person that thinks that, mm. th- that this level of untruth is a really big deal. Right, right. And that it's very different than the way we do things. I mean, yeah. there's so much talk in the last sort of, like, four episodes of Agents of Field about how they're in a world that's fake, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, like... The, this it's a, essentially the matrix hmm. um and they're folks that were put there by the bad guys and their memories were changed so they don't they don't experience it as being they think they grew up there right and there, there are two rogue agents it's daisy um and um simmons who go in and retain their memories and are telling these people about it and they, they mm. keep talking about how this is not the way it's supposed to be in this world hydra wins you know it's mm. like it's an alternative version of this yeah. Um, it's also very weirdness because there are several <laughs> moments in in, in in Buffy and an Angel where, like, due to some strange mystical thing, the good guys are bad guys and bad guys are good guys. Right. You know, hashtag Evil Willow in like season two, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it it just made me sort of think more profoundly about uh, like this experience that maybe I have politically about you know, yeah. like what it means that there's a, a massive level of untruth going on, or at least right. in, like the you know, even if you you know are in the middle or somewhat objective about things Mm -hmm. you know like there's um it's just you know uh like press conferences and the the information that we get out of the white house is very different than we used to um and Mm -hmm. it was just i felt connected to like a larger Mm -hmm. you know thought about this moment and you Mm -hmm. know like in our own filmmaking i mean this film that that we haven't yet finished but working on which is entitled devil may call about like a a soul sale, like as someone who's going around yeah. selling souls, is about this moment, like last summer during the primaries when, like, all of a sudden, like, Working. Donald Trump is the front runner. It's popular, yeah. And it's like, it's totally cool to be, like, a misogynist and all this. It's, it's like mm-hmm. all the stuff that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that I had protested against and thought was, like, a really big deal in the world. It was like all of a sudden, it's we're like. happening
0: as large as we thought in the.
1: Yeah. yeah um, you know, and so, it, it but it's like the. In watching this series made me think about how, um, like, this moment might be a profound moment mm. in history. Mm-hmm. Like, sort of, the way that things are might be um, really important and big. Yeah. And, and it might be something that we talk about for a while. You know, I've never been... You know, I mean, like I was watching... That, yeah. yeah. I was watching, you know, like, I, I watched a lot of television when Bill Clinton was, like, being impeached and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I was too young to sort of have a sense of what that stuff is. But, sure. Um, but so, yeah. you know, like, this, is the, this is the, like meta stuff about season four um i mean i was just gonna mention like a
0: couple of things i mean i think that's what i enjoy about sort of sci-fi you know futuristic films whatever is that they can have these sort of allegories for what's happening in a real world without sort of hitting you over the head with it but or like showing a to us in a new light or something yeah. you know and i think some of uh, we may talking about Children of Men in our other episode about some of the the best films of the twenty first century, but I think some of those things are becoming much more real to us now. Speaking about immigrants and um, immigration of people coming into the country and what our future could look like seemed a lot more like science fiction at the time. Yeah, and um, and now are becoming a little bit more of a reality, and we see these things in a in a new light. But I think, like you said, I think that can speak to our moment in a clear way so i'm glad like that's working for you i know when the election was happening last year and stuff that last year earlier we had been watching some of the west wing yeah we had kind of paused i mean just because of life and then um and then we were i was like we should watch this again and i was kind of like well maybe it will like give us some hope for what things can be like again and then my wife was kind of like or really depress us about yeah. seeing the gap is <laughs> totally like being you know the growing gra- gasp of like what that looked like compared to now like we're going the opposite direction um but i think we have talked about too like struggling with our own filmmaking whether it's documentary or narrative like how do we kind of present a message that we might have or like a perspective but or like some i've just struggled in general with my own career or profession and saying like how can this kind of artwork like how can i do this kind of artwork or whatever video film when maybe i could be doing something more directly you know to to help people or help the world situation and um, so I think it is a hard thing. I think it's it's difficult to present a message that affects people without being sort of uh, you know like a Hallmark card or like this this sort of very simple message that um, I don't know I don't buy that sort of simple messages like I want yeah. something more concrete and. And that has some depth to it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but
1: there's also the thing, I mean, I used to watch lots and lots of documentaries and, mm-hmm. you know, like, even if you just did some basic ones about food like King Corn yeah. or Food Incorporated, it's like, you're like, oh my God, this is, what are we going to do? Yeah. And, like, a few weeks later, you never talk yeah, about it. Do it. again, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think that there's, you know, a, a challenge as an artist or as a, you know, an activist uh, or, you know, or just like a citizen, mm-hmm. you know, or some of part of your community, that, like... Um, you know just telling just sort of showing information isn't um isn't enough to have things change but like the process contains uh lots of people doing different jobs Hmm. you know and like you know sometimes it's like you know um Say, so if you take the NFL and like concussion stuff, yeah, you know, it took like some people advocating for themselves. It took some research. Mm-hmm. It took some funding for that research. It took some writing. It took some films to raise awareness. Yeah. Change, you know, like I think has a lot of those elements to There's it. Different pieces, um, yeah. and I think it's, it's always challenging to know, like, does my little part have something to do with that? You know, mm-hmm. does the little film that we watched about, you know, the small yeah. audience at which we watched a film about. Tony Robinson, mm-hmm. like, where does that fit in with the puzzle? Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's, a, I mean, I, I don't have an answer to it, but I, yeah. I think it's a question that a lot of people who care about things mm-hmm. um, struggle with. Yeah, I
0: mean, I think, to your point, I've sort of realized, like, in activism, some organizations I've, I've sort of followed or something that um, just the the act of awareness is a big piece of it. Whether yeah. you don't have to be the one that's, like, funding something with all your money or being the doctor that's healing people or helping um but just making it aware to others builds a bigger audience and uh more things can happen yeah yeah Yeah.
1: and and i think it's also important like to if you want stuff to really change to know that your awareness is part of like to make your awareness raising activities Mm -hmm. deliberately and clearly part of some other stuff yeah um so that like when it comes to doing or donating or helping, you know, like there's stuff to do there's options there. Um, and to get involved, you know, yeah. um, so, but, but to, I mean, to step back a moment from, the, from, <laughs> from, from, uh, those two, right? some of the, um, the details of a season four, Agents yeah. of Shield. um, uh, we get to see Ghost Rider. Oh, um, no, no, no. not Nicolas Cage It's not Nicolas Cage. Um, I don't know the actor who plays him. Mm. Um, he's a Latino guy. He's just fabulous. <laughs> From like the minute he gets on the screen, he's like this brooding, slightly mousy. Yeah. guy he's just fabulous. <laughs> like every time he's on screen, um, you know, and and you know, and he's 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 like in the story, he's like possessed by this demon mm. person mm-hmm. um, who's seeking vengeance on things. Yeah. Um, you know, so he's like tortured. He's just great. I like I love the way he interacts with their characters. Um, There's also I mean, and I don't like I didn't read any of the Agents of Shield Nick Fury line when I was a kid. So I Mm -hmm. have no idea if they make this stuff up for the show or if it comes from uh, actual source material. I don't know, but there's like this uh, evil book called the Darkhold, Mm -hmm. which they like you know I mean it's cool like they they encounter these people who are like ghosts and they're actually like these people that was uh, came from this failed experiment which you know was sort of like with particle physics but then there was this sort of quantum energy dark hold evil book demon thing involved in it and it's interesting story Hmm. Um, you know and so like I said you got evil you got evil books you got um, uh, you know and ghost riders from like the dark hold comes from this other dimension that the ghost rider is from Mm mm-hmm so he sort of is the only person that can kill these things. So mm-hmm. our good guys have an, are sort of allied with him yeah. in a way. And like I said, I don't know if they're like just rewriting this stuff wholesale, but it is an, <laughs> an entertaining um, sci-fi romp huh. with some. Like I said, some you got some ghosts, you got you got Russian submarines <laughs> in there, yeah. um, and like a, there's I mean? a gigantic android plot um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it, it's like a, I mean, it felt to some extent, you know. Uh, like Moulin Rouge in the way that I loved that and it was just like, you know, you Mm -hmm. you got Beatles, you got French, you know, (laughs) it's chock full of everything from beginning to end. Um, And in a way that like, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a a real critic around, you know, so I I don't know that it's like innovative. Yeah. um, Because it's sort like, it's it's copying so, so many, many things. Yeah. Um, But it also uses them to tell interesting stories. Mm -hmm. Like, Um, uh, one of the characters Mac um, he's just this like adorable tall thin black man who's Mm -hmm. like a mechanic but also a driver (laughs) and he like he likes using an axe and a shotgun so he makes (laughs) makes a shotgun axe (laughs) um, which he does in the previous season he's just like he's kind of like like an adorable character yeah Um, and he's he's religious he believes Mm -hmm. in God which is like a part of the show yeah and like nobody else really does Mm -hmm. and so he's always like you know yeah. Um, you know, and which is a, a perspective that I just, I don't see much and I really appreciate. Hmm. Um, uh, do they do like, well,
0: I guess you didn't watch it on TV, but do you think they advertised as sort of like story arcs within the season? Because I watched, I, I've been trying to catch up with Gotham, which is like schlocky and pretty great though, kind of. <laughs> um, but they, I've noticed like more online, or, like, I've seen some commercials because I don't watch it when it's originally on, but they have been, like, sort of mini-series within the larger season. And they'll be, yeah. like, the villains of Gotham, and they'll be, like, this kind of smaller arc within the season, which I haven't really seen in television before, which I think goes back to, like, comic books directly yeah. where they kind of have these smaller arcs, yeah, but I, I mean, don't know if they advertised like, I'd be interested here's to the see. here's the Ghost Rider section, you know, but yeah. I mean,
1: it's interesting. I mean, and it does have that kind of feel where they, like, there's certain mm-hmm. characters that do things, but they blend fairly seamlessly into goes, one another yeah. that, um, you know, or that even if that's the case, like, mm-hmm. they don't um, in any way detract from one another. all the sort of stories build yeah. on one another. Right. Um and you know, and like, and like, I, know, I like the way they're all intertwined. You know, because eventually, like at the end, we get like an android trying to be human, using the dark hole to manufacture a thing to generate <laughs> like a human body, in which she's using the matrix to like extract, you know, like the DNA patterns of inhumans to make her inhuman. Is like, yeah, mind-blowingly interesting. Um, you know, again. Nothing really original, um, but super entertaining. But done well, yeah. But what, what I want to say about Mac is like he, uh, you know, he gets he gets captured and he put into the framework matrix thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the things that the the android who puts them there does um, is they like uh, corrects, like reverses their biggest regret, hmm. right? Um, and so uh, he. Uh, when he he we we he doesn't talk a lot about himself but we learned that he lost a daughter named hope yeah when she was younger hmm. um and so in this world um in, in the real world his wife is alive but his daughter is dead mm-hmm. in the matrix framework his wife has passed away but his daughter is still alive hmm. um and uh you know you know like you know episode 20 of 22 uh, our good guys find a way out of this framework and mac chooses to stay mm-hmm. he knows that it's fake he knows that, like, he doesn't really remember the real world, mm-hmm. but like, he knows his daughter is not real, mm-hmm. um, but chooses to stay with her anyway, mm-hmm. um, even though uh, she's not essentially great. a computer program because right. he loves her so much, right? Um, which again is like, it's it's kind of like a, I mean, it's in the it's in the genre of like armchair philosophy, uh-huh. um, but only in that it's short Mm -hmm. because i mean like that concept because like again like they touch on all these concepts of like is an android a human being it's killing an android that like are are these people in this show um that randomly disappear Mm -hmm. you know are they do they have meaning are they people do they have you know like um uh you know and and it's just an an interesting uh really interesting arc for mac um Mm -hmm. he eventually gets pulled out and saved due to his you know girlfriend goes back and sort of does some stuff Um, Because his daughter disappears, like, a few seconds before the whole thing gets deleted. So he has a chance to get out. So he, like, realizes it for a moment. Um, Well, I mean, in sort of despair, he sort of pops out. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, but it's like, they spend, you know, like, a a little bit of time touching on all these big things. Like, Mm -hmm. what what are the issues that androids bring up? Yeah, What are the issues that a digital world brings up? Mm -hmm. Um, And, I don't know, I if i'm gonna have a review of like tropes and genres of sci-fi like i like it that they get to the heart of the matter of each of them right you know like what, yeah. what does it, you know what does and it and so like that's in that sense, i that's what I sort of really appreciated about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's, like, a character who, like, pretends to be inhuman mm-hmm. um, by, like, taking sort of, like, a um, super soldier serum, yeah. you know, as a way of, like, um, chaining public opinion about inhumans mm-hmm. in the world. Um, they eventually find out that it's fake, and so there's, like, this public perception. You know, and there's also, and that sort of parallels, like, I mean, one of the things that I uh, sort of like pretending to be inhuman when you're not as yeah. a way of changing awareness, it just reminds me of like, like I have like uh, a lot of gay friends and, and a lot of them are geeks. <laughs> and for a lot of them, like the X-Men were like an absolute staple of their teenage mm. years mm. Um, because they were, they were like, they were not normal. Yeah. Um, uh, and they were like a team of misfits mm. and they didn't belong anywhere else. Yeah and 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 like it's just like i i don't know if other like gay folk talk about it but like <laughs> the gay folk that i know um you know the x-men were like it yeah. like they were like the the folks that they you know that like identified with in a, an entire world of mm-hmm. sci-fi and stuff and so there's elements of that i think in you know in this case director mace pretending to be inhuman as a mm-hmm. way you know you know like to um to sort of cuz people like cuz they they saw him as like this great hero yeah. so he's essentially coming out mm-hmm. um, and he has this sort of like very and his character is like you know like classic you <laughs> right. know like um you know uh uh you know like you know any famous male actor from like those the 40s and 50s films mm-hmm. you know just and that's how he dresses and that's right. how he acts you know so he's essentially like he's like he's like rock hudson right, right. you know he's like right. he's doing this thing <laughs> and you know and so like and uh it just it, it just showed to me among other things that like they really sat down and wrote a lot of this stuff and, hmm. and made it work it out, really yeah. well mm-hmm. um, there wasn't a lot of downtime um again I loved it I, I think if you if you have liked any of the Marvel stuff or if you you know certainly if yeah. you if you were sort of disappointed at the end of season three like I was I'm like it's okay but like yeah. you guys are out of ideas, right? Just I mean, what Just start the watching four, strong, yeah. and you'll be fine. Hmm. Like I think you have a rip-roaring, rip roaring, covered, yeah, good time. Yeah, and like again, you get you get aliens, you get androids, <laughs> you get um like devils, you get evil books, you get <laughs> evil scientists. Yeah, you know, you get like alternative dimensions. Good people die. You know, like all kinds of stuff. So nice.
0: Uh, the only other thing I want to mention is. Something I've been watching with my kids. Yeah. Um, we recently had some time to kill with my two sons and we were out of town and it yeah. was hot outside. Yeah. And so we're like, what can we do that's inside and cool? So we uh, went to a movie in the theater. Mm-hmm. And so our best choice for kids' movie was Cars 3, we mm-hmm. decided. And I, uh, Jeremy and I were talking about this earlier. I've seen the first one, but like once and we actually kind of avoided showing our our uh, our boys the movie because in some ways we knew they would be like really into the cars and the toy and, cars they, and they want it. the toys yeah they would want all the cars stuff because at the time there was like cars everything you know bedspreads or like you know whatever toy that you could get soap whatever so we didn't uh, necessarily want to buy you know have them begging for that all the time so we, but we went to the third one i haven't seen the second one um not that impressed i mean like mm. the pixar generally i like so i think cars is mainly for the marketing purposes that they keep releasing these so they can just sell more stuff to boys um but uh i mean i think they tried the way like toy story 3 was about like Dealing with, like, moving on from one phase in your life maybe to another, or the usefulness of what you once did, and maybe that changes, and um maybe passing things on to a new generation and growing up and growing older and so it's kind of about lightning mcqueen getting older and they start calling him kind of like the old man the new like speedy cars with you know that are aerodynamic and they use all this science to figure out how to be the fastest they're coming in and he just like can't keep up like literally just physically like his car is not fast enough Um, so that was kind of an interesting take on it, but I would say like pretty much the way they approach that and what happens is pretty cliched, um, at every moment. Um, and then it it comes down to like a final race, which is kind of, it has like a somewhat unique spin where he kind of becomes like a mentor, um, and kind of, again, like reaches a new phase in his career and life. But also like, I'm not really sure that kids would care about that or is necessarily a lesson that they're dealing with at the moment. But, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I was, I was not super impressed, but, uh, I, I feel like Pixar is losing its touch a little bit inside out. It's pretty great. Um, but in general, yeah, I wish, I wish there was something better. I could have taken my kids to. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there are some things in the world that I, I think are very significant. One of which is like when when Disney buys Pixar. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I I understand like Disney is just. I mean, I mean, has been for years has been acquiring this intellectual property Mm -hmm. as a way of, um, you know, doing their empire. Yeah. Um, And I think that. I mean, I I grew up... I had the Disney Channel as as a kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I was a big fan of, like, early Walt Disney. You know, I used to watch all the, like, you know, how-to things about all the animatronic stuff at Disney World. And, you know, I I love you know, listening to Walt Disney in in these documentaries talking about the stuff that he did. And Mm -hmm. and I felt like... Sort of like the early Fantasia. Like, you know, like, I felt like there was a lot of artistry Mm -hmm. in a lot of that stuff. And they were pushing boundaries and making things new and exciting. Um... And I just, uh, you know, that in the years after that, don't know Michael Eisner personally, don't know <laughs> like all of those folks, um, but there, it's been a long time since they have really created something mm-hmm. interesting and artistic yeah. in the way that um, they used to be it. Yeah, like everyone used to follow them, mm-hmm. um, and now, and so like like early Pixar, like like I mean. You know, I mean, a, a lot of the genius in the early Pixar stuff, I don't know for sure, mm-hmm. but was like, you know, driven or approved of by Steve Jobs in the beginning. Yeah.
0: You know, and it was yeah. like,
1: they're like, we want to make a fully animated film. And he's like, with computers, like, let's do it. Yeah, You know, and I mean, nobody, I think, um, you know, but again, they got Joss Whedon to write that screenplay for Toy Story, right? Right. They got, you know, super good writers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got, uh, they really spent a lot of time making you know things that like the 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 models in that movie is just are they're so well designed right they're they're like they translate exactly into toys they translate exactly into like all kinds of stuff they're just well-designed things Mm -hmm. you know like buzz lightyear is a like nearly an icon like it's so well done right you know Um, and same with woody like all the casting all that stuff is great um but even so like it's a technological boundary they push Mm -hmm. you know right um and it's interesting mm-hmm. um but you know like there's 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 the i mean there's lore from the marketing of, you know of pixar like when they when they first sat down like John Lasseter yeah. and these other guys they drafted out a lot of these ideas you know and sort of like eventually made them right um and i think that i mean a lot of that that visionary creativity shows in a lot of their work mm-hmm. i mean i think inside out is I i, I really liked it yeah um, I mean, but, like, I've seen Cars, Cars 2, haven't seen Cars 3. I've seen Planes, Planes, Fire and Rescue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just reminds me of, like, you know, in Good Night and Good Luck when they're, like, you know, doing the Liberace's house, you know, interviews. That like they're. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know, I mean, I just also know that, like, it's just, like, a different crowd. Yeah. Like, um, a lot of my folks back home, like, Pixar, like, Cars is, like, their favorite one. They love cars. They, you know, they love, you know, Turbo. It's not a... Um, not Pixar either, film, yeah. but That's you know, not, like yeah. they like, I like a lot of that stuff, and yeah. I think it's also nice that they, that they that they do that. Offer like, that, you know. I things, mean, well, they, yeah. they just they, they do to a lot of you know market to a lot mm-hmm. of different audiences. Yeah. Um. And I mean, I, I think I liked Cars more than you did. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it a lot. Yeah. I also think one of the best things they the best cars related stuff is on it's a, a a series of shorts on Netflix called Mater's Tall Tales. Have you seen this? I've heard. Uh, I think I saw some of it. They are, I mean, yeah. viewing audience, if you have not seen them, they are great. There's like a noir one. There's yeah. like a monster truck one. There's like a, like a, a Japanese drift style one. Mm-hmm. They all have the same form. They're great. <laughs> you know, they're like seven, uh, yeah. probably like five, five minutes long each. Yeah. Anyway, and they're all, they're
0: great. Um, oh, by the way, I did want to bring up, and then we should probably wrap up, um, this new f- force of change i think it's called Mm -hmm. um or no force of destiny destiny the new little star wars shorts have you heard about these yeah the female characters i don't know if you've seen any i have not seen them we watched five of them with my kids and my wife and um so i mean like so we have a our third um kid is a a girl a girl a girl and so she's only a year and a half but we're already thinking about like you know we're very into media and stuff so like Disney seems to be pushing more females in the Star Wars universe and mm-hmm. sort of like role models and offering characters and stuff and new princesses and that and that way and stuff Star Wars princesses but so I think this was an attempt did you to just say like, the word
1: Star Wars princesses
0: yeah mm. I think that's what they're trying to do
1: mm. okay don't you think so uh, I haven't thought about it I think they're trying to
0: turn Princess Leia and Rey into like you know like the regular princess. Anyways, so uh, I think that's for marketing purposes. But I think these were supposed to be kind of like showing like, oh, look at these strong female characters in the Disney or in the Star Wars world and we're going to give them their own little stories here. And we started to watch some of them and we are like, there's like always like a problem or like a creature that attacks. But the thing in danger, like uh, my wife pointed it out and um, and then we started to notice it in the next ones too. It's always like, the female character is rescuing, like, a droid or, like, a little defenseless animal. And so my wife was saying, like, well, like, there's never, like, one of the male characters in danger and then, like, one of the women has to rescue them or something. Yeah. It's always just, like... Yeah, she doesn't has the, to
1: yeah. throw her bionic arm into the truck in order to make it stop, Right, you know? right. Or take the long yeah. shot from, you know, six miles off with her. Bionic,
0: right, but. Um so I mean it was it was interesting. I mean, I'm glad they're they're trying something, um, but it did seem like, and the stories weren't like that great. They were very like short and and there it was still like there. There's one with Ahsoka, but then it's like, oh she gets
1: oh, please, delayed on this wait. way,
0: and then it's like she has to fight a giant robot. So it's a little bit. I'm not saying like girls can't like giant robots and like fighting, but it seemed like
1: a ploy to kind of be like.
0: Hey, look, it's still boys will like it too because you're wearing okay. this giant So, robot like, and like, there's
1: like so many things to be like. First yeah. of all, um, without a doubt, I want to say unequivocally to, the, unequivocally to the, our audience that Ahsoka is the most interesting Star Wars <laughs> character that they have ever created. Right. I don't know who's responsible for creating yeah. her. Um, she is the most interesting person in the entire Star Wars universe as far and as this I'm concerned. not sure. very interesting, yeah. Like, in clone, I mean, like, yeah. you know, like, in some ways, like, Star Wars is a warm up. Mm-hmm. For Clone Wars, right, yeah. and I think the Emperor is is his best <laughs> in Clone Wars. I can go on and on, yeah. but um, uh, and I think part of the reason why I think she's able to be as cool as she is is because there's a bunch of different people committed to like a vision of her, mm. a bunch of different writers. It, it's a Netflix thing. It's totally under the radar, and it mm-hmm. and it just isn't like focus grouped. Yeah, it's just like I mean, Disney is like one is as very clearly wants to tell women what it's okay to do. <laughs> whether like they're giving different models of it or not mm-hmm. whether like giving a new model or using an old model or a good model or a bad model yeah. they are all about telling people, What is okay and not okay to do, and in Mm. particular, women. Yeah. And so, regardless of whether it's like a strong female protagonist, which always makes me think of the Mary Sue, right? Like, there's like, there's the needle just goes so far to one side Mm -hmm. that they're not real women anymore, and they're just as ridiculous as swimsuit models. They're just like action hero models, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that like, I, I, yeah, sure, like I, I think it's great, like it's nice (laughs) to have some characters in there. I just like I even watching the rebel show i was excited to see ahsoka back in there but i'm like unless it's a couple of these guys who wrote you know for um clone wars you just can't touch her yeah you know like you can't like you you i don't think any of you guys have the heft or whatever it is or Mm -hmm. to like write ahsoka to be as awesome as she needs to be yeah yeah and i guess to put a point on like the the female role models thing or you know, or like, or structures women. Like, I just wish there would be some other focus of what Disney does other than saying, okay, you can be like a sailing princess or okay, right. you can be uh, an aero princess. Because mm-hmm. um, I just think that the, the sim- Ugh, here, here I go, right? <laughs> I think the simplistic problems that are dealt with in the vast majority of Disney films don't prepare people well for the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, I am a married person. I've been married for 12 years now and some more <laughs> yeah. like um and i think anyone who's been married for a long time you eventually have to come to grips with like the fact that happily ever after is not real mm-hmm. and is severely damaging right. for like the rest of your life right because like nothing is and and there are there are certainly like complicated portrayals of relationships that mm-hmm. exist in media and they're great yeah um but like Disney does not have a great track it's record company, yeah. with portraying any of that. Stuff. And even, even some of the new stuff. Like, mm-hmm. cool Frozen. Like, she chooses her sister over the dude. Right. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but, like, how many times do you subtly make us pay attention to her body and her appearance and what she's doing and what she's saying to people and who she is in the show mm-hmm. so that you know and she's constrained in a giant glass castle like is this do we need to make this a bigger metaphor yeah. you know and she does like you know does make some interesting choices it is mm-hmm. it is novel mm-hmm. but also like novel in the context of disney films yeah like other women do all kinds of things in other media even like you know um uh like films for kids right i'm gonna make films for you know, like i'm gonna like I mean, you and I... But... Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, like, Miyazaki's films. Mm-hmm. Like... I like I, I will take his female characters over anybody's pretty much for like the younger age group. Yeah. Like you know, also yeah. like a close second. Complex, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I can't really show a kid Pan's Labyrinth mm. because of the Nazis and stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> like that young girl, mm-hmm. you know, is very similar to the young girl in Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. You know, she undergoes like the the coming of age in terms of challenges of being disapproved of by people around her, by getting dirty and going places she's not supposed to, by like utterly circumventing the expectations of her. Yeah. That is like. You know, that is, that model, if you will, is a model about totally shattering what is expected of you. Mm-hmm. Which is much more interesting as something I want to show a young woman than, um, you know, you can be a robot princess. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, to finish my point from before, like, I think Pixar has gone on a much different trajectory under Disney's ownership than I think mm-hmm. they would have gone, gone in on their own. Yeah. And I think that, um, I don't know what those those boardrooms are like. Um but you know the the, the the elements that were sort of visionary and strongly artistic and sort of Pixar's early stuff before mm-hmm. Disney. Like it's at best it's muted going yeah. forward. Even like Finding Nemo. Like Finding Nemo is an amazing film. Yeah. And I love it absolutely to death. Yeah. And like from the very beginning we got like, you know, a disabled kid, mm-hmm. an over overly sensitive okay. father. Yeah, okay. Like literally like hundreds of his brothers and sisters die. Right. Right? Um, in a way, you know, and some folks, are, oh, but that's sort of like Bambi at the beginning. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I do recognize that element there, yeah. too. But like also like what do those stories eventually talk about,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and like, I mean, if End of Finding Nemo, we get, you know, like uh, Marlon and Dory, like Dory's a little bit loopy, you know, right. it's a, a, this weird blended family. I and mean, yeah. there's a whole lot of things that like that I felt resonated with. The world in which i live in the mm-hmm. world in which i see mm-hmm. you know and not just i mean like in my neighborhood but like the the modern world mm-hmm. you know like they're just dealing with like boy this stuff is a strange mess and there's so many messes i don't really know what to do with and right. and you just can't do things the way that you used to do stuff mm-hmm. i mean which in marlon you know is this very sort of traditional sort of person right anyway he wants to break out, yeah. um
0: yeah and i kind of wonder if john lasseter i think became like the head of disney animation sort of And maybe he's not, like, on the ground level anymore. And I think he was one of the early creative voices in there. Yeah. And maybe he just kind of became, like, this corporate guy. Maybe not of his own plan. And and I think maybe some of that uh, vision is kind of lost too, possibly.
1: and I just—I yeah. mean, like—and I, I, when I think about—I don't even know what to call it, like mm-hmm. genius or creativity yeah. or whatnot. There's like, you know, as like as a writer or as a filmmaker, those are like tiny in my life. Have been tiny little sparks of things, mm-hmm. you know, that I feel is interesting and encapsulates what I want to say, and mm-hmm. and like. But I only have so many of them you know I mean Shakespeare wrote a yeah, billion yeah. things I don't even know if was one dude or whatever you know right. um, yeah most but, people the but you yeah. know like there's like a community of people that have been making Pixar films mm-hmm. right and like eventually that all that's gone yeah right And and so when I when I think about it as a system I think when when sort of the creativity wanes it means that like the the structure of who gets to touch the art Mm -hmm. has become ossified. Mm. Because it's not that there's not creativity in the world. Right. It's that it's not in the guiding seat at Pixar Disney. And so and that's that for me is like always usually disappointing. Mm -hmm. It's like because 'cause they're I mean think of how many I mean like I wasn't a kid when Pixar stuff came out, but I was like a teenager. Mm-hmm. Like and I was inspired by it. Mm-hmm. Like I could theoretically be working for them right now. Like right, right. like the entire generation of people that they inspired, you know, like it's still I a know, lot of yeah. the same names, mm-hmm. you know, in in the executive director position, in the yeah. director positions. And they're great mm-hmm. but like they you know, I just I I think that there's only so much sort <laughs> of really innovative yeah. creative things you can do. And they have a great opus To you know, boast right, you know, or a collection of works. Yeah, but there's you know there's other folks I think. Yeah, yeah. you to have other moments when you sit down at a diner and you draw out, you know, (laughs) Finding Nemo and Wally and Toy Story and all these sort of you know that creative spark that becomes that you you know sort of fan into these larger things. (laughs) Because I just you know I think like I mean one of the the things that I think about with like you know Disney's acquisition of Marvel is they just now they like have owned copyright over so many yeah. iconic things and stories um but also like those comic books like a, a you know a good comic book run will contain like a couple good artists a couple mm-hmm. good writers but it will it represent oftentimes like a, a good representation of someone's genius in it right um and you know as, as stanley's great like mm-hmm. he's awesome right yeah. But like, there are a lot of other people um, <laughs> that have visions of what these characters should be, mm-hmm. and you know, like Disney has made a brand of it. It's, you know, it's good. Like, I think yeah. the Avengers is awesome. Yeah. Um, but you know, even in like the in the in the the comic book world of Spider Man, there are like two to three sort of separate story lines about mm-hmm. Spider Man, and I think that I don't know I I just I just think that um, there's a lot of Times when there's exciting new ideas out there that people mm-hmm. have, maybe they're fans, you know, yeah. m- maybe they're artists working somewhere else, and they're not—they don't end up in those rooms because mm-hmm. they're, you know, and and I think people in those rooms are often like concerned about money and yeah. overall structure and you know, like uh, focus grouping or the effect of focus grouping with algorithms, um, and I just—it makes far less satisfying films, mm-hmm. um, and I just, you know, like I, I whatever I can go on, but I like I appreciate a good. You know, artistically driven, bold something rather. Yeah.
0: That ties pretty well into the new Star Wars films, but I don't know if we want to save that for another Yeah, time.
1: well that for another time. Yeah.
0: Cool. We're gonna end there. We went all over the place with some of that talk today, but hopefully you check out some of those things we recommended and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks. Yep.